Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I talk with Kim McKinnish, the CFO for the National Beer Wholesalers Association. Kim and I talk about a number of topics including the current state of the beer industry, how beer wholesalers are managing these days, best practices, tips, and strategies to help folks out during these challenging times. We also talk about the Brew Initiative. This is building relationships and empowering women. Kim talks about this new initiative and shares details on how folks can join if they are interested in doing so. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Kim McKinnish from the National Beer Wholesalers Association. A quick note before we start today's podcast. If you need help building your brewery business plan or updating an old business plan, our brewery business plan course might be just the thing for you. In the course, we're going to go through what sample brewery business plans look like. We'll share business plan templates, financial planning worksheets, scorecards, and bonus tools. We'll go step by step through the process to get your plan done and done right. Business plans do not need to be long to be good and they do not need to take weeks or months to complete. Once you go through our course, you will have a brewery business plan ready to rock and roll. So if you're interested in checking that out, go to craftbrewerryfinancialtraining.com and go to the shop for more details. All of our financial training courses for breweries are included with your subscription to Craft Brewery Financial Training. So for now, please enjoy today's podcast. All right, Kim, thanks so much for joining me here on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you here. So tell me a bit about you. I want to know about your background, your journey to becoming the CFO and SVP of the National Beer Wholesalers Association. Well, I think um, I, I think there's a lot of similarities in financial paths. So I'm guessing that maybe yours was similar to mine. But, you know, I, um, I graduated Virginia Tech. Uh, in accounting, uh, became a CPA, went into uh, public accounting, and then one of my audit clients was the local um, Anheuser-Busch distributor. And so I would go there each year to do the audit. I got to know the team there. Um, and quite honestly, the Budweiser distributor was a lot more fun than the public accounting firm. And so um, when they offered me a job as a controller, I took it and, uh, and I've been in the beer industry ever since. And so I, um, I started as controller, I moved and um, to VP of finance there. Um, and that was in Washington, DC. I worked there for four years. And then I went to work for the Anheuser-Busch distributor in Northern Virginia, which was a contiguous wholesaler, uh, a bigger market and um, worked there uh, until I came to MBWA. And that was, I mean, I love the beer business. I love the industry. I love the people, the family business dynamic. Um, it also um, allowed me to do a lot of different things. One of my uh, 
I would say consistencies from job to job is that I find it hard to just stay in the CFO lane. And so, you know, at a beer distributor, I could branch out. I did um, media relations, um, special events, um, a lot of sales oriented tasks, um, you know, things to do with the POS or the graphics design making, um, discounts, pricing, promotions, those things. And so it allowed me um, growth into different areas. And like I said, I just love the environment. I love the industry, uh, you know, the components of uh, working in a sales organization, the family, you know, nature of the business, not only family owned, but everyone felt like a family that was an employee there. Uh, and then the distributor I worked at was sold um, to split between two contiguous distributors. And at that point, I wasn't sure what to do with my career. Um, I had a lot of, obviously I could go to work as the CFO, but I had a lot of other experience that had only a home in the beer industry. And I went to uh, lunch with Craig Purser, who's the CEO of MBWA. And um, just to ask, I mean, they were local. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna ask about how my experience fits into some other jobs. And um, lucky for me, Craig said, you know what, we are creating a new position at MBWA, a CFO, and we've been looking for just the right candidate. And um, how about you come to work for us? So that was nearly 13 years ago. So I've been at MBWA. I was their first uh, staff member who actually had worked at a distributor member. So it brought a little bit of a different perspective, um, which has allowed me also to have this um, creep into different areas of um, responsibility. So obviously I do the typical CFO duties um, of finance and HR and technology. But in addition to that, I've gotten um, over the years involved in a lot of different initiatives here that uh, membership services, I started working there because I knew um, a lot of things that distributors would need or how they would utilize them. So I was able to put my experience to use in that way. Um, and since then I've, um, grown to work with our next generation leadership group um, uh, as part of the beer growth initiative. And then most recently um, leading our brew initiative. So kind of a, it's been a long windy road, but I think that's pretty um, typical for finance folks that they start in public accounting and then end up at one of their clients. Yeah, that was, you're right. That's a, that was almost exactly my path, right? You know, you go to go to school, become a CPA, work at a public accounting firm, transition into the private sector. I had the same experience of, of jumping over to a beer wholesaler. So, you know, I think it's interesting what you brought up too, is that there tends to be um, a perception of the finance person as, oh, they focus on the numbers, accounting, debits and credits. When my experience is very similar to yours is that, sure, that's the, that's the core of your expertise is, right, making sure the books are right and we're doing the analysis and so forth. But, you know, there's a broader skill set, you know, that, that the finance person and you, you in particular can bring, right? You may mention membership services, obviously leading next gen. We'll dig into some of these, the brew initiative. Uh, but even at the beer hole, sort of getting involved in so many different things from, you know, you mentioned media, special events and sales and on and on and on. So it is that variety. And I think finance can inform those different areas too, right? It's not so much that you necessarily want to get into sales or POS, but you, you understand the financial aspects of that. So, but that was interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, and I often, when um, I talk to 
uh, people, especially in college students that are, you know, in accounting and they're unsure if this is for them or if uh, maybe it would be slightly boring as a career. And I'm like, you know what, this is like, I think it's the most solid foundation you can have because it informs you in ways to that you can add value pretty much to any task that you, um, you know, take on at a company. And I think that's served me well. Um, also, I like to just get involved in a lot of different things. Exactly. Yeah, here, here, I do as well. Well, let's talk about the NBWA. So for folks who might not be super familiar uh, with the organization, the National Beer Wholesalers Association, uh, tell us about the mission, what are some of the services, events, uh, and types of clients uh, that you have? Or okay. Members? Well, we are a trade association, and I have to say, um, even though I was a distributor member and we belonged to the MBWA and when we went to their meetings, I was maybe not crystal clear on exactly what they did until I came to work here. So as a trade association, we represent beer distributors across America. That's who we represent, um, independent beer distribution businesses. And they are our members, and our um, purpose and mission revolves around their needs. And so we, you know, our mission statement includes a few things. One, just to provide leadership um, that enhances uh, independent beer and beverage distribution. We obviously, advocacy is a large um, part of what we do. So advocating um, before government and the public. And we also provide program and services that benefit our members. And so at our core, we say our value statement is protect, preserve, and grow um, our members' investment in the independent beer distribution industry. And, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, what do we do? Um, you know, we have, um, I, I mentioned advocacy. As part of that, we do an annual legislative conference where our members come to town and they meet with uh, members of Congress. Of course, we haven't actually done that in person since 2019. We <laughs> did it virtually last year. We hope to be back in person this year. Um, we have, um, you know, ongoing um, campaigns that we are working on, the advocacy team is working on, and that we continuously update our members. We hold an annual convention uh, and trade show, which this year was in person in um, Vegas in October. And we have, uh, you know, a long list of membership services that um, range from you know, providing um, safety videos or um, uh, energy programs or insurance programs. We have best practices. That's something we can talk about that like sort of um, grew uh, in importance during COVID. So I, I think in terms of when you look at the buckets, I would say advocacy, leadership in the industry and membership services. Excellent. So let's, let's dig in on one of the initiatives uh, that was mentioned earlier. So the BREW initiative, uh, an acronym that stands for Building Relationships and Empowering Women. So tell us about this initiative. What's going on there? Well, it's really exciting. It's, um, you know, we uh, launched this in 2021 for all of our members. And, um, and we've had some great progress uh, here at the end of 2021. 
But I would say just back amp a little bit. I mean, obviously amongst their members, there's been this long-term recognition of the need for gender diversity and recruitment and development of women in the beer industry for all roles um, in beer distribution. And so as an initial path for this goal, MBWA utilized their next generation leadership group. I mean, that was a natural landing spot. That is a group of our young um, up and coming leaders they are active and engaged, and the female participation skews higher than average for our members. Um, and I'm sure you've been to one of our conventions before um, and seen sort of the um, breakout between genders. But if you go to a next-gen leadership conference, it depends, but anywhere between a fourth to a third of the attendees are female. So it was a natural spot for us to start to provide some education, development opportunity, best practice sharing. Uh, and then in January 2020, we started talking about how do we roll this out to all of our members and get them involved. And COVID struck, um, everyone's bandwidth filled up with other duties, and we didn't launch that. Um, but we're back on track now. We launched it uh, in August of 2021. We held our first in-person event at the convention. We had a welcome reception where we invited um, any um, folks who wanted to attend to join us. And, you know, it's exciting to get people together. You know, we've defined three components for this initiative. Our purpose, uh, unify the community of women active in the beer industry, create opportunities to build connections and network, and provide access to leadership development, educational and mentorship resources. So as we sort of, I mean, obviously this was in its infancy stage, we've launched this year, but we've had, um, you know, in addition to the reception at convention at the Next Generation Leadership Conference, we did a panel there that was really well received and well attended, um, talking about what does it mean to empower women in the beer industry. And then we've started uh, Zoom, we're calling them Zoom development sessions. I'm sure there must be a better word for that. But um, we have um, targeted um, some career development opportunities. And, and really, it's, they're applicable to anyone in the beer business, but we are um, using utilizing the brew umbrella for them. We held one on the beginning of um, December. We have another one scheduled for the first week of January and then again in February. So it's a program that we're continuing to build out. Um, we have an advisory committee um, of some strong female leaders in the industry that are helping guide us through this. And then as an exciting part of news, um, in addition, we have um, one of our uh, members, our largest member actually, um, had uh, in a parallel track started their own, um, what they called Brew Alliance. And I always say like, we thought we were so clever at MBWA using the acronym Brew, but it turns out that a lot of people use that because the W for women apparently was, uh, was a common theme. But um, um, the um, Reyes um, Beer Division had worked with their top seven suppliers and put together a brew alliance, which for them stood for balancing the recruitment, retention, and engagement of women. So with the purpose of modernizing the perception of the beer industry across the three tiers by driving action through partnerships, networking, and shared best practices. Um, 
So we have um, since uh, joined um, purposes between these two groups um, and MBWA is taking leadership of the Brew Alliance. It'll, it's a chance to bring all of our distributor members to the table to add additional suppliers, really um, increase the resources, you know, magnify the message, add more voices. And we're really excited about the potential of this for 2022. This is all just taking shape right now. But um, I think we're gonna have a lot of momentum behind this in 2022 as we start to um, really kind of build out the messaging and bring more folks uh, to the table. Love it. So if somebody wants to, if a, if a beer wholesaler owner or manager is listening to this now, how, how might they uh, participate in the Brew Initiative? Should they con who should they contact for that? They can contact me. They can contact, we have um, on our website, mbwa.org, there is a, a button on there that you can select. Um, we are doing it, this is the same way that we do next, uh, our next generation group. It's um, opt-in, like we have, um, you know, a button, you can pick and add your email to the list and we make you part of the group for either one of them. We have a QR code that we're trying to use at industry events. So if you are at any industry event in 2022, you should see the um, logo, the QR code and the ability to quickly join the group. Great. And this, did you say this is for uh, distributor members as well as your supplier partners? Yes. Yes. And we've had a lot of interest from our associate members too. I mean, Just it's right. interesting. There is like this big, you know, there's been um, so much positive energy around this and I think a need. So, you know, we've started with our distributor members. We're adding associate members as they want to participate. And now, um, obviously, um, I said, you know, the uh, Reyes group had added their seven largest uh, suppliers, we are um, actively working to engage um, other suppliers and bring them to the table. So anyone that falls in any of those buckets, feel free to reach out. Awesome. I've got some ideas for you. I will reach out to you after this about that. So thank you Great. for that. And, and congratulations. It's really an important initiative. And uh, thanks for sharing. So I do want to shift gears and talk maybe more macro level about the industry, right? It's been crazy okay. the last 18 plus months. Um, so I just want to kind of talk about the current state of the beer industry and get your perspective on how wholesalers are managing these days. So like, what have you heard from folks? How are they handling these challenging times, adapting, changing? What do you, what do you hear and what's going on out there from the beer wholesalers? Um, I think we just came back from a full board meeting, um, that we held last week. And I would say, um, probably the hot topics all fall under shortages, shortages mm. of people, shortages of inventory. Um, but most notably, um, I think the shortage of inventory is much discussed, and, um, but I think people are um, working through that and using the packages they have. I think the shortages of people, that's a more critical issue and a more long-term issue for our members. So we have spent some time talking about recruiting, retaining, um, what can we do um, to help our members? We have had um, some best practice uh, communications around this and sharing information between distributors. We had a number of um, workshops or seminars at our convention that were directly targeted towards this. We did the same thing at our next gen program. I mean, I think 
you know, what we need to do is just find um, a different way to sort of promote the industry. Uh, you know, maybe there's some innovation needed there so that the current workplace understands what great jobs these are. I mean, you know, we've talked about it as long as I've been in the business, but really it's a, you know, they're great jobs, they pay well, there's good benefits, there's job security, um, there's this, there's a great culture, it's family oriented. Um, so I think maybe we just need to work to sell the jobs somewhat differently. You know, one thing we're currently working on here at MBWA is just a generic, um, I'm sure we'll have a better name for it, but it's really a recruitment video. We've had, you know, some of our larger members have resources and they've put together videos that sort of um, promote the industry, promote working for a distributor, um, give some information about it, but not every member has those resources. So we are working actively at this point to put together this video. So it would be something our members can use starting um, at the beginning of the year. That's great. Yeah, those are certainly really difficult things to deal with. And it makes you wonder like, where have all the people gone? Because it's not just right. the beer industry, right? It's, it's hospitality. Well, it's Lester Jones, you know, our chief economist, he has a mm -hmm. lot of thoughts. That's probably another podcast for you, but um, he has a lot of thoughts of where those people have gone. And oh, why definitely. they're never coming back. <laughs> never coming back. <laughs> All right. I will, I'll reach out to him next because I, I, I do think that's important. Everybody's sort of asking that question and speculating, well, where have they gone? When will they come back? Uh, what do we do to recruit them? I think, you know, you're all over it in terms of recruitment, retention, you know, marketing the benefits of the business. I know from my perspective, you know, working at a beer wholesaler, you know, we'd have countless individuals that had been working there for 20, 30 even 40 years, you know, that doesn't happen right. anymore. And right. there's a reason for that. It's a great place to work. And let's face it, if you like beer, I mean, there's beer there. Right. So, I right. Mean, that's, and that's the, that's the thing that, and I still think when you talk to our members, there's still like those buckets. Like when I was at a beer server, same, there would be people that worked there for 40 years when we would only take applications on a certain day of the week because people would be lined up, you know, to give an application. Um, I do think there's still that, you know, there's still that component of folks who have been there for a very long time, but then in these entry-level positions, there seems to be a constant churn, and that's what's hard to, hard to fill. Absolutely. So let me hear from you about lessons learned, right? People love, love to hear about this. So what have you learned personally, professionally, really over these last 18 plus months? So many challenges, and you can answer that any way you like, whether it's finance lessons, business lessons, crisis management, preparedness, whatever strikes you, what sort of lessons have you drawn like over the last 18 months from what's been going on? Yes, I think in turn, you know, the overriding lesson had been that really, I mean, the things that you know are important, you know, have a strategic plan, have a strong team, um, be prepared for any crisis. Um, and, you know, even for, for the unexpected, which a lot of times you're moving so quickly. So it's hard to have all the components of that in place. Um, I would say for MBWA, um, you know, we had all those components in place, whether we knew it or not. And so when this hit, um, I would say we were stronger than ever. I mean, I think when we look back on the last, I was trying to count just, I was doing a, a meeting before this. I'm like, is it 18 months? Is it 20 months? How long has this been going on? But, um, you know, I think the things that you know that are, are important for business, like that really did 
stand uh, up and make us strong. And even um, we always joke because our IT um, administrator, she would have all these plans for crisis. And we all, um, even though, you know, we had conversations about it, we kind of poo-pooed it. And, um, and then the day we walked out of the office and we had every single tool we needed to do our jobs remotely and never missed a beat. I mean, those things are important. Um, and I think the adaptability, obviously the flexibility of your team um, and, uh, you know, keeping that together um, was important. So I think for us at MBWA, we felt like all of those things that we individually had put together uh, came together, made us stronger, um, and we were successful during um, COVID. I think on a personal side, you know, everybody got a, a moment to um, appreciate some different things in their life. It's amazing though, how quickly that, that has changed. Like, you know, last year this time we are like, oh my gosh, we're always gonna take a moment to breathe and, and enjoy these other components of our life. And now we're back, um, you know, fully in action. And I'm, I'm like, gosh, how did I have time to bake those holiday cookies last year? <laughs> it's so true. So let's talk a little bit about the financial side. Um, so we're obviously finance people. And how do you think wholesalers should be using finance or financial skills, financial information to kind of navigate what's going on right now? What are, what are some sort of must do's from your perspective for, for beer wholesalers? Um, well, I think it's sometimes tricky. I mean, like we were talking at the initial onset, like their financial people sometimes are pigeonholed, um, whether it's a distributor or, or any company. And I think they aren't allowed to add like the full range of their value. And I think it's kind of tricky um, in a sales organization. I remember when I switched from public accounting to a sales organization, you don't fully appreciate how everything's driven by sales. And that is at the top of the pyramid. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes the finance person can be almost viewed as anti-sales because the things that you're, you know, promoting or you're trying to implement um, um, aren't always viewed as positive by the sales team. But I think there's a way, you have to find a way to work together. And I think, you know, I just think it's more critical than ever that the finance person or, or folks need to be around that table and as a leader of the company. I mean, that is critical to identifying, you know, needs and solutions, especially in today's environment. I mean, the things when you think about like, what um, our distributor members are facing. I mean, obviously employee retention, like the finance people are critical um, in that role in helping with that. Um, managing margins, I mean, obviously inflation uh, is on the table. That's a huge concern in terms of just the cost of gas or insurance or wage inflation. You know, there's a lot of things that are important and critical uh, in moving forward. And I do think, you know, um, eons ago when I uh, joined the beer industry and, you know, beer distributors, they're family owned businesses and, um, and they are family oriented. And I think um, in today's current, current environment, you don't really always have the luxury of making choices because it's a family oriented environment. You have to make choices as a business. And um, that's something that has evolved over the last couple of decades, I think, for our members. But that makes it even more critical that you have um, finance as part of any sort of leadership decisions. 
Mm, yeah, I agree. You touched on a number of really important topics, you know, certainly margin. I mean, that's always important. Managing people, payroll, inflation. Obviously, that is a big one. It puts more emphasis on, you know, what are the what does our cost structure look like? What are the things we can control, you know, fixed and variable, and then kind of digging in on that. Because I think very often we feel a little bit helpless, like inflation, what can I do? Well, you got levers, right? I mean, everybody's pushing the price lever, lever but there's also ways to kind of dig in on the cost side, whether that's cost of goods, whether that's operating expenses, whether that's different ways to manage your cash flows, if you've got loans, things like this. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're biased, right? I mean, including the finance person at the table <laughs> to kind of help on some it's of these. Very important, very important. <laughs> it is, there's no doubt. So let's talk a little bit about um, industry consolidation. Now, this is obviously okay. not unique the beer business, but this is the business in which we operate. So wholesaler consolidation, you know, it's in the news from time to time. It seems pretty consistently uh, occurring. So what's your sense of, of what's going on here? What are the key factors, you know, generally that's driving the consolidation? I mean, I think we see a lot of changes in the marketplace, obviously, um, that are driving that. I also think we see changes in the marketplace that are also increasing the number of distributors. I mean, we've seen a shift in that. I mean, on the consolidating side, obviously, uh, you know, people are um, taking advantage of economies of scale. Um, you know, there are, um, you know, different ways, different models to um, organize a distributor. But I think we've also seen an, an uptick in just number of the smaller distributors, um, Craig Purser likes to call it two guys in a truck, but, you know, um, specialty and imported products and distributors, you know, TTB continues to increase the number of distributors that they're reporting. Um, and, you know, the good news for our system is I think what we've learned in the past 18 to 20 months is that really the uh, DSC work. I mean, like our system has been validated, you know, and that was consistent, um, not only through MBWA sort of touting that, but just news touting that, you know, our, our members got the product to the store, the beer shelves were filled, um, and that worked. And I think, you know, in terms of our members, like really in, uh, for competition to get on their truck for new products. Um, I don't think there's ever, it's ever been stronger. I mean, when we just tell our trade show, like there are a lot of people who want um, beer distributors to deliver their product for them. So I think that we see consolidation, but I think we continue to see a shift in growth in different types of distributors. I think we see interest um, in, um, you know, we changed our tagline. We haven't talked about that, but, you know, at convention, we rolled out a different logo and we changed it to America's Beer and Beverage um, mm -hmm. Distributors. And I think that's just really reflects the change in the marketplace for our members as they continue to grow. Yeah, it certainly is becoming more of a beverage focus than, you know, strictly beer, that's for sure. You know, I'm interested in the numbers, um, and I can chop this question out if it doesn't, uh, if I'm hitting you cold with this, but as you guys analyze, like what is the, what are the total number of uh, beer, beverage, alcohol wholesalers out there that might be your, um, your clientele? Do you use the TTB numbers to say, oh, these are, you know, there's X number? Uh, 
Now, the TTB numbers are actually much higher. It's sort of like the TTB numbers of breweries. Um, but um, we have we use locations like warehouse locations. So um, there are, you know, nearly I think the number is 3,300. Now I don't have that off the top of my head. Um, but um, that's how we track it. And then TTB would be significant. I think everybody that has a license or a permit, they would they would count. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're seeing kind of year, do you guys track that sort of year over year, sort of the net change? And, and is it increasing? Is that, is that a relevant number? In other words, if it was 3,000, now it's 33. I'm just curious if the number is. I think it goes up and down. I can't really, and that would be a good question for Lester if you have okay. him on. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit him with that one uh, if he decides to join us here. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm looking for any stories that are inspiring right it's been it's been it's been dark and gloomy these last uh you know 18 to 20 plus months so do you have any inspiring stories maybe a wholesaler that's done something cool to either support the community employees anything come to mind um yeah i think a few things so first of all i think our members like they give us like the, a wealth of great stories of things that they do in their community. I mean, that is an ongoing, I mean, that's just a hallmark of a beer distributor. I remember that was one part that I particularly enjoyed sort of um, fostering and, and growing those community relationships and what we you know, did. But I think, especially during this pandemic, we've seen distributors across the country step up in ways they haven't stepped up before because there were just different needs. I mean, we, you know, initially we saw there were a lot of stories about um, sharing their trucks or their personnel, you know, when on-premise was closed, they had extra personnel that they kept on the payroll, you know, they were help with food banks, they were using the trucks, they were delivering PPE. But um, I think the most unique story is that um, a, a, a local wholesaler in this area, um, Bob Hall, who's in Maryland, actually opened up their warehouse as a vaccine site which was, you know, we've heard theme parks and ballparks, um, but it was great to see, you know, uh, beer distributors step up that way for their community. And I also think in terms of vaccines that opened up like a different constituency that maybe would come to a, you know, that was a location that maybe changed their frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, that's a great idea. I hadn't had thought of that. So shifting gears a bit, I would like to hear from you there's lots of information out there in the industry, right? It's different publications and so forth. What are your favorite newsletters or podcasts or sources <laughs> of information relative to the, what do you, what do you, uh, who do you turn to for, for information these days? Gosh, well, of course you're a publication and emails well, that I get carry. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I, I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of information to keep up with. Like I, you know, the gen, the usual uh, suspects, you know, obviously Harry and Ben um, and um, Tracy Neal also does a podcast. I sell beer and um, he did a series on our next generation leaders uh, it, that provided some history and background on their companies and gave a little color commentary to beer distributor history. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, nothing unique, but. The standards, right? The standards. The, I love it. That's great. <laughs> All right. This would be, this is my last question before we 
before we wrap up. And it's a tough one, so you know you can answer this any way you like, but this is the crystal ball question. You know, if you look into your crystal ball, what do you see for the three-tier system over the next five, 10 years? You know, what changes, uh, if any, do you see coming down the pike? Um, gosh, well, I think obviously the industry continues to evolve. I think every year since I've been in the beer industry, we say, oh, I can't, there's more change this year than there ever was before. So I think it's an industry that continues to adapt, evolve and change. Um, but I think really, like I said before, you know, uh, one thing that's been proven um, as, you know, the country has worked its way through this pandemic is, you know, it's relevant, like beer distributors are relevant. Um, they are critical in the alcohol, you know, distribution system, obviously. I think that, you know, um, I don't know, preceding me, certainly, but, you know, there's always been the obituary written, like distributors aren't relevant, you know, how long is this, you know, how long are they going to remain in business? I, I think it, that's just not factual. I think as we continue to evolve, I think um, it's, the relevancy, I, you know, what we talked about earlier in terms of beer and beverage distribution, I do think, you know, that's the way the marketplace is changing. I think obviously um, promoting um, the industry and remaining relevant in all the different initiatives that are out there. But um, I, I, I think distributors are here for the long haul and I think that they are able to evolve and, and be successful. No doubt evolve, adapt, change, all good things. So Kim, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Um, if people want to learn more about the NBWA or join the association, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, the website, super easy, nbwa.org. Um, all of our materials are there, all the links for any of our events how to become a member, how to um, participate in any of the initiatives that we have going on and any sort of tools, you know, part of this, uh, you know, the service, additional services that we've provided is this sort of library of best practices over COVID that have ranged from what, ha you know, things that needed to be done initially um, to now just general best practices as they relate to cybersecurity or diversity. So all housed on our website. Awesome. That's fantastic. We'll put all those links in the show notes. So Kim, thanks again and happy holidays. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.